recording live from the home of Deadspin Awards winner, Daniel Snyder. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. That's right, guys. Daniel Snyder won an award. Do you guys know what it was for? For being a douche? Nope. Worst worst owner. Yeah. I, I, I call that a drop. Sounds yeah. about right. He's right in there with James Dolan, Dan Gilbert, Jeffrey Loria, Joe Laca. And the Brandeis. racist guy who owned the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear a good uh, Dan Snyder jerk story? Is a jerk story? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Dan Snyder. Redskins employees said that during the recession, the recent recession, there were some cutbacks in Washington. Like like the NFL wasn't making money during that time. That, yeah. That's another story. So instead of giving them a holiday bonus, he gave them a bag of apples. What the hell? Whoa. Yeah, Daniel Snyder, dude. That's not even an expensive fruit. No, it's the worst. You know, he just wanted to get out of sick days, and he heard that you could keep a doctor That's out with right. that. Yeah, so... Uh, Underlying message there. <laughs> so we're back. You know he's uh, anti-Obamacare. Another Seahawk, uh, an episode of the Seahawks Nest podcast. Uh, I'm Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by uh, my Irish amigo, Kevin Garber. That's right, on the green mic. And uh, with from my uh, British comrade... Eric Ronnebeck. Is that right? Are you British? No, it's all it's all German. It's all German. Tried my best. I just had to totally guess. My lineage can be uh can be traced back to the guy who helped start World War One. Our so. Eastern Bloc correspondent <laughs> Eric Ronnebeck. All right. So nine nine. So we're gonna start off as always with a little bit of uh, Seahawks news. Uh we have uh before we start though, I just wanna say uh thanks to all our Patreon subscribers. Uh you guys uh yeah. have really helped us out and because of that we are testing out some new audio equipment today. We wanted to work out all the kinks in the off season. So if you uh notice any weird audio weirdness with this episode Aside uh, from our voices just sucking. Yes, aside from us being the worst. Uh <laughs> then go ahead and uh hit us up, let me know, and uh I will try to get it going better for next week. Um so Seahawks news for this week. The biggest story of <laughs> Seahawks news is that this is why I, I love I love this segment in the off season because it's like uh it's, it's imp- like you're winding up to throw a pitch in the dirt. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so good. Cam Chancellor's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Legion that, of Boom reunion tour. Yep, they uh, Cam Chancellor got married. That was the biggest story of in Seahawks Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Uh, yeah, I was. In related news, Twitter's cool. trying to find out her name, so when his play tanks, they can blame her instead of Sierra. Uh, <laughs> so other other cool Seahawks nuggets from this week. Uh, Cliff Aver- Pillar Football Focus posted a really cool graphic of Cliff Averill and Chandler Jones's uh, quarterback pressures throughout the season. Uh, Cliff Averill ended up with 70 and Chandler Jones ended up with 66. And I think that is another case of like our defensive line does not get enough credit. You know what the most impressive part of that to me is? If you look at Cliff Averill's uh, pressure rate, it doesn't really flatline anywhere. There's one spot where it kind of does. But the thing that that signifies is that's a man getting consistent pressure on a game for game basis. That's a huge asset. Unlike, for instance, Vic Beasley, who disappear for like three games at a time and then have a really big game. Yeah, and he he uh, it wasn't like he was getting single coverage every time too. Cliff Averill has definitely busted out and earned his uh, his big role in this defense. It's great to see too because he's a good guy. And that contract is delicious. Yeah, it's a great contract. And the um. Other things, uh, Deshaun Shedd started posting like him, video, workout videos of him doing like difficult agilities and stuff. It looks like he might actually be back earlier in the season as opposed to later, which is pretty awesome. When do you guys think he'll be back? Week four. The thing about Deshaun Shedd is he knows the team he's on, meaning he knows the competition mindset. He knows that he's been inconsistent because, let's face it, he's probably told that. He probably sees it. He's pushing because he wants to be on this team. He wants to make this team. No. I think that week four prediction is pretty accurate. Worst case, we'd see him uh, after the bye, but I think he seems ahead of schedule. All right. Now, here's the last thing is that I, I, I didn't want to go a podcast and do like four minutes of Seahawks news on a Seahawks podcast. I felt bad about that. So I I want I brought a discussion topic. Okay. Yes. And it is quarterback contracts. Okay. Well, let's, let's start with this. Okay. One, quarterbacks are getting paid more than other. Derek Carr's contract is a good example of that. Quarterback contracts are just rising, 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 rising. Um, the Seahawks have locked Russell Wilson in at about the 10th to 13th biggest uh, contract in the league. So let's just start with that. Uh, how, val- how valuable is, is Russell Wilson as the uh, 13th highest paid quarterback in the NFL? Well, let's think about this in the most reasonable way we have. So your salary should be indicative of your level of production. 
So where do you rank Russell Wilson in terms of NFL quarterbacks? Oh, in DVOA, he is sixth. So I, I don't know. So I'll say around the top border, five? borderline top five, uh, definitely top ten. He's clearly in the top ten and borderline top five. Eric, what do you think? I'd say top five. He had a really bad year last year. He was injured. And when he is on, and I don't mean like when he's on a streak, I mean when he's healthy, we know what he can do. We know that uh, outside of last year, we've called him a very underrated quarterback. So I would say a top five quarterback. Yeah, I would also say he's a top five quarterback, and we haven't found a ceiling yet. Okay, so which is good. We all so, said he's top five. Top five quarterback. Who, who are guys outside of the top ten money? Who are That's guys that guy. you would put clearly ahead of him? I think you still have to put Brady, in Aaron Rodgers, everything. Aaron Rodgers is the number one quarterback in the NFL. This okay. is where it gets hard because there are other good quarterbacks, but beyond I, that, there's a cluster. There's your Drew Brees, Philip yes. Rivers. Um, Matt Ryan's played his way into this group. Matt, yes, Matt Ryan, Ryan, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. All, these not, are the quarterbacks I would say, that are in the argument for that. I would say the guy, third who, through eighth. the guy who delineates the line, the guy who like is like, hey, this is the cutoff point, is you probably go Cam Newton, even though he had a horrible season last year. And then after you go Cam Newton, you say, that's the last guy in this group. And the first guy in the next group is probably Kirk Cousins. And then you work your way down. Yeah, from Kirk there. Cousins slash Matt Stafford. It's like the Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, uh, Joe Flacco, yeah. Eli Manning. Uh, I think Andrew, Andrew Luck's in that group right yeah. now, to yep. be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> Derek Carr is probably in this group still. Yes. Uh, this is like the Andy Dalton. These guys are in that group. I think Andy Dalton might even be the next group down. Yeah, Andy Dalton might be the line here. Yeah, uh, he might to, be the last guy. You guys here. both think that Cam Newton's... In the upper tier discussion. I, I do think Cam Newton okay. deserves to be in that Cam upper tier Newton decision. Cam Newton can and has carried an offense. I don't like the type of offense he carries, but he does. And he, my goodness, the drops that he has to contend with yeah, outside of Greg Olson. He was true. forced to... He threw his average uh, pass per distance in the air last year was higher than any other quarterback in the NFL. He was forced to throw long all the time to make up for the fact that his offense was honestly pretty deficient. And... Then he, not only that, but he's throwing to guys who had like horrible catch rates. I think of his uh, wide receivers, two of them had top ten worst catch rates in the entire NFL. So, yeah, there's okay. there's nothing he can do about that. Um, it's, I think that he's not a particularly accurate quarterback. He yeah. doesn't throw it accurate to the body of the receiver, but all they've done in the past is surround him with talent that magnifies that flaw. Right. Like they are not doing. Amazing. They need more Greg Olsons and less. A, Devin Funch or Funchesses. Well, I feel like, you know, in the Seahawks, everyone said all these no-name receivers, and they even had that during the Holmgren era. I realize that Cam Newton really has, like, no receivers, you know? Uh, yeah. I just, Doug I feel Bal- like... Doug Baldwin is not nobody. I no, think that's what, no, I'm saying, like, back the then. Best route no, I'm saying, like, yeah. around the Super Bowl, people yeah, yeah. said, I don't say that. That was Those the narrative, though. There are two things with that. One is, uh, as Eric's saying... That, that he's only started to get recognition in the last probably two years. Two years, yeah. And the second part of that is that, you know, when you come as a UDFA, it takes you longer to prove it. You don't have that draft pedigree, which is so important for hot takes and name recognition in the NFL. And also, like, Holmgren's receivers, you know, uh, Daryl well, Jackson. DJ got some credit, but also he was a very flawed receiver. Bob Ingram. drop prone. It took forever for him to get. I mean, let's, yeah. he was... He was the same receiver with the Chicago Bears, and he didn't get a lot of recognition. So but just, the thing to remember with that is, unless you're Antonio Brown, being an extremely efficient, precise route runner who makes great choices all the time doesn't get you as much credit. Unless yeah. you're probably like a white slot receiver. Yeah, or you're, Anto- you're, or you're Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Antonio Brown gets the credit he deserves in, in that. Uh, but he's also more than that. He uh, is the best iteration of that possible. Back to this discussion, though, about top five quarterbacks. So we've got the group. Nathan, where do you want to go from here? Uh, I just think that the fact that this year his cap hit is 13th out of all these quarterbacks, uh, it just represents a tremendous value. Like the the Seahawks, it's not like Tom Brady where he's like the lowest paid quarterback in the league. Yeah, (laughs) that's because his wife owns a South American country. And then he's the second best or first best quarterback. It's, it's, uh, It's a little different than that. But, I mean, it's still really good value. And... I get the feeling that if we stick with Russell, he might be the kind of guy who's going to say, hey, at the end of the, you know, not this contract, maybe the next contract, he'll say, oh, yeah, now it's time for me to try to just win Super Bowls. And as long as we can hold on to him the whole time and make him a career Seahawk, I think that that 
that is the kind of thing that happened. He could be the next Brady. Gift that keeps on giving, yeah. Yeah. I have a second point to that. It's kind of a, a little outside of the purview of the conversation. Maybe not but... as extreme as Brady. Like, but like <laughs> yeah, the simil- veteran men. But similar. Yeah. Fair. Uh, I really want to see not Tom Brady, but I want to see Bill Belichick being asked how he thinks Tom Brady feels about not being the breadwinner in his family. Just because that reaction shot would be the greatest thing in NFL interview history. Like, you get the most dismissive eye roll and sigh. Oh man, the hoodies interview. I mean, you think so good. You think he's a good coach. (laughs) Hear him answer questions during interviews. He's even better. Yeah, he's like, he's like, entertainment values at 10. (laughs) It's so good. The thing that's weird is like, you know, things are kind of thrown off because like Kirk Cousins is the third highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now because they, he doesn't want to sign long term with Washington, and who can blame him? So they keep franchising him, and his his salary is getting kind of absurd. He's going to get top ten money though when he signs. Yeah, I mean he deserves it. He's played his way into the top ten conversation. I feel like, and it's hard to get a franchise quarterback. Kirk Cousins could win a. a you can build a team that wins a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins as well, your quarterback. Let me ask you this: If Russell Wilson was the highest paid quarterback in the league, it would not be the best value. But wouldn't you still be happy that he's on our team? I would be happy, but I would feel, you know, the thing that got me thinking about this was the Derek Carr contract and how if I was an Oakland fan right now, I knowing the way that I am about analytics and I would be frustrated because I would feel like that contract is going to make it difficult for us to build a real contender unless Derek Carr makes a big leap forward. And maybe if I was an Oakland fan, maybe I'd just be drinking the Derek Carr Kool-Aid and I think he was the best. I don't know. But because I think he's like a, you know, above average, but not elite he's quarterback top 10 yeah he's like a you know he's he's like he's like he's good but not great that i would be mad that that we're paying him elite money to to probably not put up elite stats you know and it's going to be very challenging to build a true contender on that it's gonna it's gonna hurt their cap when they go to vegas yeah or at the very least he's not the kind of player at least as of the skill set he's shown that carries an offense. Yeah. I mean, their run game was not great last year, but their, their receiver talent is good, and their offensive line is excellent. Right. Their offensive line is good. They had good receivers. Their defense was just hot and cold. Like, they would either be playing, like, super good, or they would just be horrible. They, would, they mean, wouldn't Khalil show Mack, up against lower lower uh, competition. Khalil yeah. Mack is fantastic. He's probably the most valuable defensive player in the NFL. And maybe He's in the, the fight. Maybe the most valuable non-quarterback, in my opinion. But... Uh, that's a story for another day, I guess, because we're going to have to move on. Uh, all right, that's our Seahawks discussion. I have one discussion. more quick thing to oh, discuss because this is brought up. So this will kind of carry us into some NFL news because it's Hall of Fame season. And, you know, in the in the Reddit-verse and Twitter-verse, the Hall of Fame conversations are going on. So uh, quick categories just from you guys, and I'll follow up with mine. Uh, Hall of Fame will be, Hall of Fame could be, and are they, are if these, you have a near miss, are these Seahawks players, only. Oh, Seahawks only. Current Seahawks. Okay, go ahead. Who do you think is in? Who do you think could be in? And who do you think is going to be just on the outside? Do I just to pick one one for each? One for each is good. Uh, okay. Who do I think could be in? Um, Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett, I think, is working his way into a Hall of Fame style career. His production the last six seasons is uh, pretty stellar. And if he can put up, like, two more seasons like this, I think he could be in. He's close. He's getting close to, like, in the conversation. Uh, someone who could not, who won't quite make it. Someone who uh, won't quite make it. Probably, like, someone like, um, if Doug Baldwin continues his current level of production. Or maybe Jimmy Graham. Might just barely miss. Although Jimmy Graham's a two-time, uh, put, he's going to be like a two-time Super Bowl champion when he retires because we're going to win another one, right? Yep. So, so, so <laughs> that that uh, that that makes it uh, that makes maybe bumps him up a little bit. Someone who I think definitely is going to make it, um, as long as he doesn't retire early or get injured, Earl Thomas is going to make the Super Bowl. He changed the game of football, uh, and he's different than any other player who's ever played. And I think that there's something to that. So I think Earl Thomas is like a shoo-in to make it. And I'm just going to leave Russell Wilson for you guys to say. Uh, shoo-in for me, Bobby Wagner. I think he will get the respect he deserves when it's time for him to retire, uh, as long as he stays healthy and continues to play a few more years. Uh, I will say not going to make it or just barely making it. If Was that one exactly? There's a, there's a for sure 
a probably and like a near miss. I like four, your four sure guy is Bobby Wagner. Yeah, that's my four sure. The hmm. I love that optimism. Use my use my good make it guy. So I hope you're right. I, I just because I love it. that player. I really feel it. Um, the probably if he keeps up his current level of production. I mean, he's going to be an all time production. great. And middle linebacker. Yeah. The thing that sucks is he's overshadowed by one guy in his era who is yep. like honestly a little bit better. Like I love I don't I love Bobby, but Luke Keekley is is a is a real game changer. I just want to point out to to everyone listening, depending on the week, Nathan will say Luke Keekley is better than Bobby Wagner. Because I think last week or the week before, he was like, you know, I don't know. Honestly, sometimes well, Bobby Wagner is better. Last year, Luke Keekley wasn't better, but no. he was hurt. So I, yeah. I feel bad saying I just that. think it's, I th- you know what? I think it's adorable, man. And I love it. Also, the talent he's playing with. Is the, uh, I just, I know that when it comes down to stats, that's what they look at. They look at the team, and I think Bobby Wagner will get. This. So that's your will be. Will be. Who's your likely to be? The likely to be, this outside the box thought, maybe like Bobby Wagner. Richard Sherman. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Because Richard Sherman is—he honestly doesn't have the stats to to back it up. I mean, those interception stats from those from those first like three, three years were insane, yeah. but they've just slow. They just kind of dried up. Like, and but that's it's it's a credit to him because you know he's no so one good. At him. And and last year he wasn't as good, but he was still really awesome. And my probably not going to make it. This is hard. Cam Chancellor, and I think of Kenny Easley, but he's Kenny Easley without the interceptions. And Kenny Easley got into the Hall of Fame on his big hits, his tackles. And his and deepest his, player of the year award. Exactly. And his That hardware matters. That hardware does. And I Cam is I mean, let's face it, when Cam came back against Detroit, it was like, Yes, he's back. We needed him. And the press was like, This team is just not the same without Cam Chancellor. But really there were there were other things playing into it. And Cam is great and I love Cam. But that's that's my that's my piece, Kevin. All right, so making it for me is Richard Sherman. I think that he's in. His production's high, but it's like was spoken about with Earl Thomas. He is a player who came in and changed the way the position was looked at. The yeah, you Legion can just of be Boom big physical dictated guy it. Yeah, and uh, this is also looked at as like the era of the air it out offenses. You know, throw it all the time. And this is a guy people will remember is shutting down one side of the field. He's also a player who's gotten a lot of credit, gets a lot of hardware, has those Pro Bowl and All Pro uh, counters going up in the right direction. And so, for that reason, I think he's going to have the credentials to make it in. That's a that's a great it's a great point, Kevin. The probably going to make it is Russell Wilson. And that's because you can't put a quarterback in with only a handful of seasons. You have to be great for a good run of three to five years. You have to be good for at least a few more on each end of that run. And he's, I mean, as a quarterback, you need a solid nine to ten year, good to great years career to have a shot. And he's on pace to do something like that, and he has the talent to do that, but, you know, he hasn't yet, and a lot of things can happen. So he's my probably. My near miss. This one's hard, but for me, I'm going to go to somebody else who's already been mentioned, and that's Michael Bennett. Hmm. He did not get a lot of credit for the first several years of his career, even the first Super Bowl run. He didn't get the credit he deserved that year. It really started the following year when we lost. And he also kind of got a late start. The Tampa Bay years were a little bit of a waste. Yeah, they just kind of lost years. Yes, and so I'm not sure he's going to have the longevity as a top-flight pass rusher to be able to make it to the Hall of Fame. Um, His star shines bright. But I don't know if it'll be there long enough to be able to kind of keep that long-term remembrance. Um, it depends on how much credit he gets for being that flex three-technique defensive end at a time where that was starting to be a thing. I think uh, I like I like all of our choices. I thought they were all a little bit different. Good job, gents. All right. All so right. Uh, that is that is as they say uh, that um, NFL news. Uh, I. Don't think that there was anything really that interesting that happened this week in the world of NFL. Megatron was, trashed Detroit. He that said was it. the only thing. Yeah, I was like, I did not hear yeah, this. Yeah, he said I retired but because I couldn't figure out a way to get out of my contract, and I didn't think we were going to be able to win. Yep. And Barry Sanders is 
Like, oh, wow, you did it too, huh? All right, so uh, that's that's that. Uh, so let's go ahead and go. We're going to head right into our NFC East preview. We continue our series of previews of all the uh, conferences around the NFL, and we'll start. Uh, last week we covered the AFC East. Do you guys have any adjustments or updates to your AFC East picks, or do you just kind of feel similar? To Jets are still in the NFL, right? <laughs> Barely. Nope, no changes. All right. <laughs> uh, so that's good. I, th- I, this might happen, though, where like someone makes a big move or there's a last-second like couple signings or someone gets hurt, and we might have to do some revisions. So I'm going to give you guys... have to wait until the preseason starts to really know what opportunities. Uh, so here we go. Uh, NFC East will start off with the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys went 13-3 and last year. Their key additions are Stephen Paia, defensive interior defensive lineman, and uh, they're going to start Nolan Carroll at cornerback. That's someone they added. They lost Barry Church, Morris Claiborne, J.J. Wilcox, Ronald Leary, Brandon Carr, and all their backup running backs except for uh, McFadden and Morris. But they had like a like kind of like a five to six deep running back rotation, yep. and then they, they lost the, the the end guys off of that. Uh, their over-under in Vegas is 9.5. If you want to bet over, though, you're going to have to give some VIG. It's minus 150 for the over. How do you guys feel about the Dallas Cowboys? I'm betting that over. You're betting the over. All right. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, they lost a little O-line depth when they lost Leary, and that's something to consider because they've had really strong injury luck when it comes to the offensive line. Right. It's not a deep line. It's just their, they, their first five guys are incredible. And it was a deeper line, but the last couple of years there's been some attrition. This is going to happen because they had to pay guys. You know, they had to pay their left tackle and everything. Um, yeah, you got to pay Tyron Smith. You got to pay it. Zach. Then they're going to pay Zach Martin, and then they're going to have to pay Lyle Collins. Like, it's going to happen. And Zach Martin's number keeps going up as these interior offensive linemen are getting paid. Um, they got Taco Charlton, who's a much-needed possible pass rush threat. And I like Ryan Switzer. If you think about it, um, oh, what's his name? The their interior Vic, uh, or not Vic, uh, Beasley. Yeah, uh, Beasley was one of the best wide receivers last year for Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley was one of the best wide receivers last year for Dak Prescott. He kind of became his security blanket. Yeah, Ryan Switzer is another Cole Beasley. I think he'd be a great addition for four wide receiver sets, and so I think that's a really good fit. Um, but my big question is their defensive backs. They still don't have a great pass rush, and they lost Mo Claiborne. Nolan Carroll is kind of up and down, and then they have, what, Xavier Woods, Marquez White, Chidobia Wuzier, and Jordan Lewis coming Dude, in. They threw – They they're, first of all, their secondary got decimated by free agency. Yep. Almost every guy listed off there, Barry Church, Morris Claiborne, J.J. Wilcox, Brandon Carr, that's like basically their starting secondary. So they yeah, th- everyone but Byron Jones. Yeah, yeah. So they they were like, "What do we do?" Well, we are gonna throw. Yeah, Byron Jones is the only guy who left. The other safety played though. Like he was not like a the yeah. other safety they lost. He would he played on a lot of downs. So they were they threw four draft picks at this, and then they brought in Nolan Carroll, who's not good. <laughs> let me just <laughs> let me reiterate: when you're pillaging Philadelphia's horrible secondary to try to improve your secondary, you are in bad shape. Was he uh, really good against Dallas, and maybe that's why they grabbed him? <laughs> I I like Shadobi Awuzie. Like I think he's he's good. I everyone knows if you listen to this podcast. I thought Colorado had an all time good secondary last year, and all four of those guys would play on Sundays. I think Jordan Lewis from Michigan is a really good nickel corner. Yeah. That was a good pickup. And they got Xavier Woods. Uh, he's got the same name as a WWE wrestler. So. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> does he play the trombone? Um, you know, I. I think they're going to have a really middling defense and a pretty good offense. Uh, I think they're going to do really well unless they get injured. But something I want to state as a blanket statement, records across the uh, NFC East are going to be down compared to last year because last year they had the two North divisions. This year they have the two West divisions. And the AFC West is a murderer's row. That's going to be rough for all of these NFC East teams. They have to play the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Seahawks. That is five (laughs) really challenging games. I I agree with you. I just love that you left out the other three teams in the NFC West. Uh, Those are all coin tosses. Yeah, or the the Cardinals game is. I mean, the, the Cardinals, depending on whether or not their quarterback's head falls off. Yeah. Let me let me take a second to talk about Dak Prescott. Um, Dak Prescott. A lot of people are going to give him crap because they're going to say he fell into the perfect situation for a rookie quarterback. He, okay, one. 
we've had like four recently we've had four of the most productive strong rookie seasons for quarterbacks ever russell wilson dak prescott cam newton robert griffin the third these were four of the all-time great rookie seasons uh and i would say dak prescott's is right in there with the mix with any of them and the most impressive thing to me is of those four quarterbacks he had more air yards than any of them he was not just dinking and dunking it down the field and working it down little by little and yes he plays behind an awesome offensive line he he has you can't just throw a garbage back there and expect it to work if you want an example of this look at what happened to dallas last year when Tony Romo was hurt, they were horrible. Dak Prescott was very good last year. And yeah, yeah, Matt Castle couldn't do it, and that was a better line. I mean, they didn't have Zeke Elliott, but still. They, but they still had uh, Darren McFadden playing pretty good. Like, yeah. Darren McFadden put up stat numbers last year. Or, two years, two years ago, ago. Sorry. Uh, so my, my point is, the Cowboys, they got a lot out of out of Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott was very good. Now I know like last year during the playoffs, I was like bet against Darren, bet against Dak Prescott in the first game because rookie quarterbacks just never do good in the playoffs. It's just a, it's just kind of the way it is. There's, there's exceptions, but they're fair. They're few and far between. It's hard to, when the pressure's on and then the defense has extra time to study for you and they're extra pumped up. If you're a rookie quarterback, it's going to be, you're going to have, it's tough sledding. And he still played pretty good in that game. It's not like he blew it single-handedly. Right. It was a team effort. Uh, I, I just think Dak Prescott has a really bright future. If there are very few quarterbacks, I would say I'd like to have basically as much as Russell Wilson. And he's one of them. Like he's one of those guys where I, if he was our quarterback and said, I'd be really happy. He's very good. He has a super bright future. He will be in the top 10 by the end of the season. And uh, maybe even working his way up to that elite tier, that top five. So I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. That being said, I expect some slight regression because of how much worse the secondary would be and how the fact that every team in this division can throw. Uh, yep. <laughs> that is going to give Cowboys problems. Uh, they they are going to have to to throw. And uh, I just that, that, bo- that bothers me. I'd so, like it to be put down on the record that... Uh, in a roundabout way, we just heard praise for Carson Wentz from Nathan. Just uh, that was not praise yeah. for Carson Wentz. That was he not, said he could throw. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. Yep. No, I, I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why I think the Eagles' pass game is good when we get to the Eagles. <laughs> he's saying he's he's thinking that uh, that guy for Pittsburgh is, <laughs> is, is playing the. Uh, he's just going to grab the ball and throw. I'll say this about Dallas. I think that this is probably Des Bryant's last year with Dallas, and I'm bringing him up because. Des Bryant was this big name. Des Bryant was this guy who's gonna, he's gonna make, <laughs> as Jerry Jones probably said, oh, he's just gonna make everything so easy for Tony Romo. <laughs> and you saw Cole Beasley's emergence last year. Uh, as you've seen in this offseason, they're, they're kind of going with the, I don't know if it's a new mold, but it's kind of like what the Patriots are doing. They're getting the, the small, widely guys who can move and run routes and play at multiple positions on the field. And you saw that in Dallas's draft. Yeah, their uh, secondary has taken a hit. Their offensive line has like one chip taken out. This is the last year, I think, of that line being really, really awesome. Uh, I think they'll regress a little. Uh, they're still going to be really good. I okay. see them losing a couple more games, though. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first. Uh, I don't I think that the improvements to the defensive line are obvious. Uh, Stephen Pye, Taco Charlton in, entering into the rotation will make them better on the defensive line, but it's not going to be enough of a help to overcome how horrible their secondary is. The Dallas is going to get lit up in the passing game, and they're going to lose some shootouts. I have Dallas as the sixth seed in my playoff bracket at nine and seven. Wow! Whoa! Scandalous! There. Well, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I go go bolder than that. It. And impossible. But I think that offensive firepower is just too much. They will win shootouts, especially in the division, because the Giants probably have the best defense otherwise in the division. And for that reason, I think they're going to do well against the other teams there and to the tune of 11 and 5. Okay. Oh, what seed do you have, Kevin? Uh, I did not write down seed. Okay. Um, probably around what I have. I have, uh, I'm the most optimistic, and I may hate Dallas the most out of anyone in this room. <laughs> nope. Um, That's for Kevin, Kevin. Sorry. That's reserved for Kevin. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, I have them at 12 and 4. I have the 5 right. and 1 in the division, 4 seed overall. All right. Let's, uh, let's head over then. Next, alphabetically, we have the New York football giants. The New York giants went 11 and 5 last year. They have lost, uh, Marshall Newhouse and Leon Hall, but 
I wouldn't call those lo- Bobby Bobby Rainey and Rashad Jennings. Like most of these aren't really losses. Uh, they but they brought in uh, Brandon Marshall and a bunch of like mediocre running backs and d- depth players. They basically didn't really add or drop anyone except for they got Brandon Marshall and they lost probably their second or third best offensive lineman. Uh, their over under is nine. Uh, they're minus one hundred five, so it's basically even money to go either over or under with the Giants. Uh, they drafted Evan Ingram at tight end and Dalvin Tomlinson at right defensive tackle as their key draft picks. Eric, how do you feel about the New York football giants? So those of you listening, what we like to do is we, we go to the site and it gives us a week by week schedule. And you get to pick every game and every so, single game. So when we give you a record, it's a real record. It's not like when you go to ESPN.com and they're like, Oh, this team will go eight and eight. And then like you add up the wins and losses at the end and they're like, wait, this is not possible. Yeah. For us, these are these are possible records. We have an answer for every game, and um, <laughs> going through this for the Giants. Uh, so what we do is we pick every game, and then we'll sit here together. We'll do this in a room. We'll kind of be like, "Oh, look at Week Eight. What do you think about the Monday Night matchup? Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Atlanta can pull this out, but at the end, it's like, okay, now I got to go back and fix the record because I feel like blank team should have more wins or how the hell does the do the eagles have nine wins that I can't be right nine and seven yeah this, that's, is, this, this is terrible isn't, this isn't right yeah, it's like kevin at, too many upsets kevin at the end of his this year he's like i have jacksonville at 0 and 16 i gotta do something <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thing so for, i literally just read all of their defensive players it was like no nah, <laughs> they're, they're not going 0 and 16 they have Calais campbell like it's not happening but so for the new york giants i tried really hard to to find more wins for them and it just didn't work. I do not like this team. I feel like... I, it's not a feel. I know. I watched a lot of their games on TV last year. Thanks. Random NFL scheduling on my television. Uh, Eli Manning is decent at times. He's really bad at other times. That's that's not a secret. We all know that about Eli Manning. They're running backs. I love Ron Dane. I don't think he plays in the <laughs> NFL anymore. But that's like the last Giants running back I can name. You're not a big Orleans Dork, Darkwa fan? What about yeah. Paul Perkins? Orleans, Shane Vereen? Sean oh, Drawn? Brandon Jacobs. Hey, Ben, got, ben Vereen and Zubali Zoo, one of my favorite childhood memories. They got, <laughs> but, they got, they got Sean Drawn now. Yeah, oh, they got Sean Drawn. Sean Drawn's going to save him. The true sign of running back desperation when you uh, have Sean Drawn. Speaking of desperation, I feel like Brandon Marshall. I feel like that was a very uninspired pick. I feel Brandon Marshall wanted to stay in the city of New York. And so he went to the Giants. And he took a pay cut to do it. This yes. Is- and I, I feel like Brandon Marshall was kind of like, oh, it would be kind of cool to see him on the Seahawks. But do you then, think, do you think Geno Smith did the same thing? Because Gino-, Gino Smith's on the yeah, Giants yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> They're just really good friends. Yeah, Brandon Gino- Marshall was his roommate, and he didn't want to lose that security. Geno Smith just shrugged and was like, okay, that sounds good. I just don't see a lot for this team going forward. They they have, like, like you said, Kevin, the best defense in the division. I just don't see it being a gangbusters defense, though. And I don't like this team. And we'll talk about their record later, but See, I'm very low on them. I am the opposite of you. Ah. I think the Giants are actually pretty good. It's a mirage, Nathan. Um, they have two really good pass rushers, Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul. They they did something last year that I made fun of, and I will admit I was wrong. They just threw money at their problem, which was they had no cornerbacks, and it actually kind of worked. Like, Janoris Jenkins, Dominic Rogers Camarty, and Eli Apple, like, turned out to be a pretty decent cornerback grouping, grouping. And then you take their wide receivers that are already good. You already have Sterling Shepard and the best wide receiver in the league, Odell Beckham Jr., probably in a vacuum. If you could put him on any team, he would just work, right? And you add Brandon Marshall on the other side. He's going to have a lot of room to work across from Odell Beckham. Either that or Odell Beckham's going to have more room to work. Either way, not good for opposing defenses. I really like this team. I I think that they're a solid play. They're solid for the playoffs and maybe even frisky further than that. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of the New York Giants and Ben McAdoo. <laughs> Kevin. All right, so they picked up John Jerry to strengthen up the offensive line, but that's still a big weak point. Um, you mentioned most of the really good signings. Uh, picking up Harrison, Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins. They picked up Collins, uh, Landon Collins as a safety two years ago mm-hmm. in the draft. Yep. Eli Apple last year. They did a big remake. Their defense is hovering around a top 10 defense. Yeah, I think the defense is actually kind of impressive. Now. when On paper, at least. <laughs> here you have Eli Manning, who is a functional quarterback. And you've surrounded him with some real weapons. Brandon Marshall, 
uh, though uninspired, offers a really quality player across from Odell Beckham. And then you get to move Shepard into the slot, which is just where he wants. It's where he wants to be, too. He's, he's always says, like, I want to be a slot receiver, which is, like, crazy to me because he's good enough to play anywhere on and the field. And then you add Evan Ingram as a very, very talented pass-catching tight end. And when the Giants have had a quality pass-catching tight end, that offense has clicked and hummed. Yeah, I remember. Like, Remember, they made Jeremy Shockey. Weapons. They made Jeremy Shockey look good. Like that's that takes some good, some doing. I mean, they made Kevin Boss look like a decent. A player. Kevin Boss is the guy. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to think who was their tight end that was decent I mean, a couple years ago. Uh, this is where Martellus Bennett separated himself from the pack. Yeah. Uh, this is they know how to use a tight end, and for that reason, you're looking okay. Passing game's gonna be good, and don't discount Shane Vereen coming out of the backfield, one of the better receiving running backs in the NFL. Yeah, and, I mean, if, if one of these running backs can just work out, like, they have all these guys that are kind of darts, like Wayne Gallman and Paul Perkins and Orland Starqua. Like, one of these guys could be somewhat productive. But they there's the problem. The running game's a question mark. The they offensive don't line's still good. a question mark. And yeah. injuries. This is a team that has not had good injury luck. And they're not and set up point, to have good injury, injury luck prone. either. Yeah, they're they're still a little thin. Dalvin Tomlinson helps with that depth along the line, but you know, you lose Vernon or you lose JPP, you've lost your pass rush. All right, this here's this week's challenge. You guys ready? This is a challenge. Name the only kicker the New York Giants are carrying on their roster. Oh god, they lost Robbie Gold. Yes, they did. And they got rid of Josh Brown. Yep. Is Jeff Fiegel still alive? Uh, they are carrying Southern Oregon legend Aldrich Rosas. Yeah, that's right. Aldrich Rosas. That's not even a quiz. That's just basically like, here's a guy you won't know. Yeah, exactly. The, the, here's a so, name you wouldn't <laughs> guess in a thousand so tries. I saw, I looked at the step chart and I was like, who's, who's Aldrich Rosas? Who is this guy? There are tons of articles in like Giants media that are like, this is the guy. He can kick so far. And I'm like, what, 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 what is this Aldrich Rosas puff piece? <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, July's uh, a great time of year. All right. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my, my vent. All right. Since I was last, I'll give the record. Go ahead, Kevin. So I have the Giants sitting at eight and eight, and I can see them fighting for the last playoff spot. Nathan, I want, I want to go last. All right. Ten and six, division champions. Four and twelve. Suck it, Giants. <laughs> Oh, dude. Uh, that's right. Like, you know, that's this is Eric, that's my bold prediction hot take. I don't Eric, care. Eric, I'll give you up to six. I'll make you a bet. Six and a half or under. I'll, I'll take the over. I'll make you even money bet any amount you want. All right. Uh, right One dollar. Here we yes. go. Yes, I'm in for a Dollar bets. All right. So uh, the next up we have. By the way, uh, stay tuned for our prediction show in August. The Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia, Flip, the Philadelphia Eagles last season went seven and nine. They brought in Alshon Jeffrey, Chris Long, LeGarrette Blunt, Patrick Robinson, and Torrey Smith. They they lost, I'll put that in scare quotes, lost. Uh, Leotis McKelvin, Brian Barman, uh, Chase Daniel. Uh, these are actually losses. Stephen Tullock and C- Connor Barwin. So, the Eagles. They are they were 7-9 last year. Do you see improvement from the Eagles, or do you think it will be uh, more of the same for the city of brotherly love? Eric, start us off. Ooh, starting again. All right, uh... I'm not going to spend as much time on the Eagles. We in this Don't room. They didn't either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know how much Nathan loves their quarterback. He's constantly, constantly talking. We're talking about Nick Foles, right? Yes, Nick Foles. I like him. Uh, North Dakota State. Uh, this is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, yeah. I, I feel like Carson Wentz is going to have a bad sophomore year. Because here's the thing about NFL quarterbacks in their second years. They usually are not better than their first year. And Carson Wentz had a really solid first four games is that fair to say and i didn't say good i said solid i might even go six games okay yeah he was he was he was, he was, up, he was up to their pretty back. decent he was surprising. The beginning of the year yeah he was surprising for the beginning part of the year i feel like carson wentz is going to take a step back and i feel like this team threw money randomly at players the Legarrette blunt sound signing they did not need Legarrette Blunt. They, yeah, Ryan Matthews was, became an every down back last year. It, with it just felt Aaron's like role. a really weird signing. Um, I I didn't hate their draft, uh, but I feel like like where's their pass rush coming from in their draft? Kevin, uh, this is for you, Kevin. I'm sorry. Ne- it's a uh, Barnett from Tennessee. Yeah, and I feel and like he's a quality pass rush. Yeah, I I feel like 
But losing Connor Barwin and picking him up is not a good net. Exactly, that's, that's like a net. That's a net even. Connor at best. Connor Barwin was kind of rookie. You know, rookie it, pass rushers always struggle to adjust, right? Yeah, and Connor yeah. Barwin run other teams totally amok. I I just feel like this team is going to be better than the Giants, but that's about it. You know, I like a lot of the players that they picked up. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith, the pair with Jordan Matthews, who's a possession receiver, that makes for a really fearsome pass-catching team, especially when you throw in, uh, like, Darren Sproles. And honestly, Ryan Matthews is a pretty decent pass-catching running back, and you have Zach Ertz. Oops. Sorry, people's ears. You also (laughs) look at their defense. They picked up uh, Timmy Jernigan, who was a good three-technique. Um, Sidney Jones, who's injured, and Rasul Douglas uh, were two draft picks at corner, both kind of long, athletic cornerbacks. There's a lot to like about what they picked up, but the more you analyze it, the weirder it looks. I Because Alshon Jeffrey, constantly injured. Zach Ertz, lots of time injured. You see um, what I meant? Like I they just kind of their roof. I hate their defense. Timmy Jernigan, three technique. Who's their three technique? Fletcher Cox, their best defensive player. Yeah, it's like you're not going to move Fletcher Cox to nose, so you're going to play Timmy Jernigan at nose. He's a North and South player, not an East and West player. They, it's they're trying to their defense is just a bunch. Of, it's their secondary it's a bunch of guys. First, their secondary is not good. Let's just get that their out. of Secondary is too young their, to be good. Their secondary will get torched constantly unless Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones are like much more ready to play right away than I think. Then you can ever count on a cornerback being uh, basically unless they lucked into an amazing situation. It's gonna be ugly. And I mean, let, let's let me like you know, let me add to let me give some reasoning to why some things I don't like about Carson Wentz. Okay, they they build this whole offense around Carson Wentz. It's like the Carson Wentz offense. Out of his six hundred pass attempts, he threw out of the shotgun five hundred and seven times. Like that's not being NFL quarterbacks don't throw out of the shotgun five out of six times. It's not just, to mention, how does Legarrette Blunt fit into just, that? And yeah, how are you going to use Legarrette yeah. Blunt out of the shotgun? Like it's just stupid. See like, what I'm saying? This whole this whole team is really oddly constructed. He had fourteen interceptions against sixteen touchdowns. His, I just, I'm not a big six point two three yards per attempt. Like I just throw whatever stat you want out there. Carson Wentz. Did not do anything to impress me last year, and I don't think that this is the year where it's going to like suddenly crank it up with this horrible defense. Well, and Barnett, body style wise, you're asking for a Michael Bennett as a best case scenario. That type of player takes a couple years to develop. I mean, Frank Clark came along fast, but he still took until his second year to really be an impactful pass rusher. I yeah, their signings they picked up dudes. And the dudes kind of fit some things, I, but I really don't feel like they looked hard at what their team had before they decided what they're going to acquire. If all these wide receivers are on the field at the same time, and that's a big if, <laughs> this team will be able to throw. Yep. Because Torrey Smith is a really good route runner, and he, he drew more pass interference. When he's healthy, he draws more pass interference penalties than anyone else in the league, which is like an underrated stat you can look at on uh, um Football outsiders. And if you can stretch the field and pull people away from Jordan Matthews, he's a dangerous, yeah, jo- uh, big jo- catch radius. That's where I was receiver. going. Jordan Matthews is going to get to play in the slot all the time, which is like really good. Jordan Matthews is a special player when he's in the slot until Alshon Jeffrey gets hurt and then it blow it all to hell because it's going to be crazy after that. Uh, they don't have an offensive lineman other than Jason Peters I can point to and go, that's the guy. He's real good. Lane Johnson's okay. Uh, but I don't love any of these other, these interior linemen. I don't like the Eagles this year. I, I Maybe it's just I'm clouded by my hate of Carson Wentz, but I'm going to pick the Eagles for under 8. Their over and under was 8, minus 125. I'm going to go them a solid 6 and 10. I also have them at 6 and 10. I have them at a very underrated 5 and 11. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanted to know if we like the Eagles this year, the answer is the Seahawks Honest- nest. Does not. It felt like we all said the same thing about the Eagles. That that means we're all right. They all just right. have more questions than answers. That's a problem. Our last uh, our last trip will take us to Washington. Speaking oh. of questionable life choices, let's go to Dan Snyder's team. Yeah, well, home of uh, Jay Gruden's uh, coaching prowess. Uh, their key players in and out for the Redskins. They uh, brought in DJ Swearinger and Terrell Pryor and uh, Trey McLean, Zach Brown, Stacy McGee. They lost Pierre Garcon, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I'm just going to say the players that are actually good. Ricky Jean-Francois and Colin Jenkins. So 
Washington was 8-7-1 last year. Their over-under for this year is 7.5. But if you want over, you're going to have to give a little. It's minus 125. Is over has become a slight Vegas favorite. Kevin, what do you think about the Washington football team? I think it can't be underestimated, the fact that they lost both Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon. Those are two quality receivers with good chemistry and good chemistry with their quarterback. But that being said, when you have a really strong offensive line and a top 10 caliber quarterback, it makes it easier to break in other things. I do think that this is a team too that has potential to line up with two tight ends on like almost every play and make wide receiver. Because they have four good tight ends? Because they have, They have Reed, Paulson, Vernon Davis. Well, yeah, it's Reed, Paul, Davis, and they drafted Jeremy Sprinkle. He's Yeah. They're probably not going to cut him. No. So, so, uh, yeah, they, they have another four, big body they're going to keep tight four end. tight ends, which makes me think Jay Gruden is going to come in here and say, yeah, we're going to go uh, four tight ends a lot and see how that works, or two tight ends a lot and see how yeah. that works. Um, uh, they also picked up Samaje P. Ryan. So now you're looking at Fat Rob Kelly, uh, Thompson as like a third down receiving back, and Samaje P. Ryan is another kind of bigger bruiser back, which yeah. makes a ton of sense behind the type of offensive line they've constructed. Right. Their run game should be better, and it's it should be interesting to watch. Yeah, the offense seems functional. When I look at the roster on paper, I say, if this team's going to line up in two tight ends, they're going to throw short passes, they're going to play smart football, they're going to take care of the ball, they'll run a lot. Like, this is a, this is a team that I can I can understand what they're trying to do on offense. Are you ready for more optimism? Yeah. So they picked up Jonathan Allen, who fell into their laps in the draft. Yeah, so he's that was such a good And Ryan Anderson, too. And Ryan Anderson, who's a pass rush specialist, so it's not all on Kerrigan anymore. So losing Ricky Jean Francois doesn't really matter a lot for them. Yeah. Their pass rush increased a bunch. They got lucky in the draft because they, their two biggest losses was their defense on, on their defense. They lost a defensive end and a pass rusher that were important to what they would do on defense. And they pretty much got like for like replacements out of the draft. Yep. And here's where it all falls apart. Their defensive backs are not good. It's Josh Norman. It's Josh Norman and dudes. I like DJ Swearinger. DJ Swearinger's is the worst piece on a really good defensive back unit. And uh, I mean, there's there's a chance like D'Angelo Halls has has something left in the tank at safety. So you're running a three safety set at that point, right? I mean, yeah, you probably are going to run him as a slot corner because Fabian Moreau's coming off of an injury. He has a lot of upside, he's but he's a rookie play. cornerback coming off an injury. Yeah, you're, you're no, you're going to have to try to get something out of Bashad Breland, which is. Uh, that's a, a bad that, spot to be a, in. That's an ask. So basically, you're at, you're basically going, hey, we're going to get torched by, at slot. Here's the and thing: one of the outside receiver spots <laughs> Eight, all the time. Their front seven is good enough that I think that they'll be able to get to the passer some, and that will kind of mask some of the inefficiencies in that's the back end of their defense. And Swearinger and Norman are both good. Norman, especially, I think Norman got a lot of stick for how he adjusted from playing into, from one system to another. People gave Josh Norman a lot of crap. I think Josh Norman has kind of acquitted himself pretty well. Josh Norman at the end of last season was playing very good football. And I, he's I have a, a very good of, player. I have a lot of respect for Josh Norman. Josh Norman's part of the solution, not part of the problem. And yeah. he's in a system that just doesn't fit him. And I feel like, but he's made the adjustments. He's like made he, the, yeah, he's made the adjustments and that's good for maybe him. Maybe he's not a 10 out of 10 like he was in Carolina, but he's a solid nine and a half, nine, you know, now if you cater to your investment, Washington, I think you'll be better. Uh, I feel like one thing we didn't say after we we talked about this with the Cowboys, but we didn't really say it with any other team, and that's the schedule this year for the NFC East is tougher. Uh, that's all these teams, and I feel like Washington lost some. I feel like they gained more on defense. I feel like their replacements are up to the challenge. Having said that, drawing the NFC, you're right, Eric. Yeah. Drawing the AFC West and the NFC and the uh, the, and the, the NFC West, yeah, and, and the Seahawks. Seahawks is, is, that's a rough go, though. Like that's that's five that's, that's five, five games where you have to battle. To like, I feel like this team got better, but I don't think it's going to matter because of the schedule. Because we'll get to this in three weeks. But the AFC West is probably the best division in football this Fact. year. That, four that solid division's going to there's there are four teams that could all they're all contenders. If you know? any one of them made the playoffs, you wouldn't be going. And I think you'll be surprised, you know, oh, that team didn't make the playoffs. I thought they were shooing to make it, and that could be either team. Yeah, they're going to beat each other up. Uh, If we're okay with this, I'm going to go into my record for the Washington football team. I have them at 9-7. and That's a whole half game better than last year when they were 8-7-1. and I think that they are slightly better. They don't tie, even though ties are hilarious. And um, the the harder schedule makes up for that. So what do you got them at, Eric? Nine and seven. They will be the sixth seed in the playoffs. Oh, I like that. 
Yeah, I think there's upside here. Like, I would not be surprised if they ended up with that nine and seven record. You said I have them at seven and nine, and I think the schedule's tough. And I basically came to a point where I was choosing between the Cowboys and the Redskins in my eyes. And I know you dumped on the Giants, so that made it easier for you probably. But yep. for me, I was choosing between Cowboys and Redskins, and I, I decided I think the Cowboys are a slightly better football team right now uh, than Washington. Kevin. You know, I think it makes sense where we're all at. We're in a very similar spot because I have the Washington football franchise at 8 and 8. Yeah. Because (laughs) I think they and the Giants are both very similar teams as far as capability. I think Washington's a little better, but the lack of questions, but they don't have as many questions at defensive back, um, in New York, which means that New York could make it. I could see either one of them reaching up and grabbing that last playoff spot. Yep. All right, so, I mean, we all agree that NFC East has some very intriguing football teams, Washington, Dallas, and New York, and they all will be 500-ish or above, except for Eric hates the Giants. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, uh, we all don't like the Eagles. That's, that's my summation of that. Kevin, tell us, tell us about, uh, this, it's, it's, uh, it's time to get in the money zone, as they like to say on Mabim Bam. That's uh, a fact. Take us to the money zone, Kevin. You know, first I gotta start with some big shouts, folks, because we're now up to, a solid following of 10. Wait, 10 people like us? We have 10 on Patreon. <laughs> That's a fact. Well, many who listen, 10 who enter. So, shouts to, you know, you never forget your first love. Our first patron, Josh from Eagle River. Big shouts to Josh, Kimberly, Brian, who's always quick on the Twitter likes, Mama Santo, Michelle, very interactive with the podcast, as is the Argentinian 12th man contingency himself, Augustine. Augustine. Uh, Cody, Zachary, and our latest and newest patron, Tom. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tom. the mix, Tom. Welcome and thank you. Tweet us, won't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and who, if you want to tweet who us, who knew a stupid joke that I made three years ago would take off on this podcast? Uh, amongst a group of people who like stupid jokes, yes. you could have seen that coming. Yeah, you could have seen that coming. So. With that being said, thank you to all of you. If you'd like to join this illustrious list of 10 and get some of the Patreon-exclusive materials, which coming in August, we'll start cranking out a little more frequently. Yeah. Uh, we just had our Jason Pierre-Paul commemorative 4th of July episode. And another thing, too, people, you notice that our some our off-season podcasts have a format. We talk about the Seahawks. We talk about the NFL. Well, all that wider NFL talk... That goes into a different podcast in the off season, and that one is Patreon exclusive, or in the regular season. That's a Patreon exclusive. So if you want to hear us chop it up about the crazy stories in the NFL and pick every game, you're going to have to give us a dollar a month. There is there's <laughs> a twenty four. Don't undersell it. Oh yeah, dollar twenty four. Marsh in honor of Marshawn Lynch. Can I uh, address this crazy rumor, by the way? Well, really quick before that, I just want to say thank you to those people because you're the reason we were able to pick up this audio equipment as Nathan said that, at the beginning of the podcast. That we're testing out, yeah. That we're testing out. Uh, you're the reason we're going to have the microphone wire coming in a minute that'll make Eric sound, we'll make the dulcet tones of Eric Ronnebeck really shine through on the radio. Yeah, yeah. I, I might sound totally shitty right now. We don't Smooth even know. Sounds no, you sound 70s. You sound fine, but there's a weird hum that I'm going to have to try to get out in post because I don't have uh, good cables. So or yeah. Eric's just humming into the microphone. Ooh. Knock it off, Eric. I, yeah. I got I got Why a song in my head at all times Long and a song gone. in my heart. Uh, there's there's a big rumor going around uh, going around the podcast that in the fall, perhaps you know we've always kind of promised this this Brett chatter with you, like some, oh, some yeah. chat we, after we games tried with to do Brett, it, but no one showed up. This this may happen this year. Uh, we've been we've been in big conversation with Brett, and uh, it looks it looks like it's going to happen. Event, you think big event Brett is ready? I I think at least for three episodes. You know, folks, we want to <laughs> let's put let's I'm put going social big. pressure on there, uh, folks. If you are interested in big event Brett and at, the rest of the podcast, joining you tweet in at Brett a Kate. chat, tweet at Bredeke. We're just gonna put that out there and be jerks. <laughs> tweet tweet him, won't you? <laughs> or any tweets you send to us, we will forward to him. And if I check my Twitter once a year, I might see it. That's why I don't give it up. Uh, swipe right on this discussion. <laughs> uh, they, take, um, take us home, Nathan. They, wait, wait. There's there is something else I want to talk about. Oh, the 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 iTunes reviews. Oh yes. Uh, okay, so we got all the feels. I, I read I. So I actually went into iTunes because I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what these iTunes reviews. We got enough iTunes reviews to get a rating, which is cool because. Only two Seahawks podcasts on iTunes actually have a rating that shows. It's us and Seahawkers, which is the big one, the Seahawkers podcast. Yep. Uh, they're the they're the Not big the best one though. They're the big dog in the yard. Uh, 
We're gonna, we're coming for their spot. Not, not really. I actually, I would Hulk love Hogan. to. I would love to co- coexist with them. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, people reviewed us. They gave us five stars, and they said we are chill. Uh, that you should crack open a beer and listen to our podcast, which I think is good. And then they said, I'm not so sure about this movie club at the end of the podcast. And I said, <laughs> and I thought in my head, that's why I put it at the end. <laughs> yep, that's right, because that, that way the people who are only here for the football can just go. You know what? Fuck these guys! <laughs> they can walk away. So, uh, we we did we did read them though, and it's uh, it, it really felt good, and we're very much appreciative for yeah, all. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. that. Really helps more than you think because now when you search Seahawks on iTunes for podcasts, we're in the top five, uh, and it, the higher we get on there, the more listeners we get, and they keep growing our our uh, listenership. And uh, just in our really, community, it's, it's really cool. And y'all, I, we're community building, y'all. Yeah, yeah I really enjoy like, all that. Uh, I like when I have to mail out stickers and stuff. That that's fun for me because I get to like you know try to mail something to uh, Argentina or Australia or something. So you can get a you can get postmarked to the moon. All right. So uh, speaking so of that mind, speaking of movie club, uh, we're Seahawks Nest on Twitter. Oh yeah, at, Seah- on at Seahawks Nest. We are facebook.com slash Seahawks Nest. So. Uh, Yep. Uh, keep invite it. invite like two friends that you think would like the podcast to like us on Facebook because we're so close to a hundred likes and it just kind of bothers me. We're at like ninety nine or ninety eight, so uh, that would be cool. Uh, this it's, is the I know, campaign against Nathan's OCD. I know liking things on Facebook is so lame. Like I I understand. I don't even like to invite people to like things. So really choose carefully. Pick people that are actually going to like it. All right. You can pretend you're liking it ironically if it makes you feel better. Okay. So the uh, <laughs> this this week coming week, we have uh, a movie coming. Not two weeks from now. Uh, Valerian, City of Planets. And it's a Luc Besson movie. And I thought, what a, what, a, what a chance to take an opportunity to talk about one of Kevin's favorite Luc Besson movies. And people are probably thinking right now, oh, is it The Fifth Element? Oh, is it Lucy? No, because no. we already did the fifth element. It's, we already did the fifth element. That's true. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Leon the Professional. Oh my god, I love uh, this movie so, so much. So Kev, this is like Kevin's, uh, probably, it's probably say, his I don't top, have to say. <laughs> uh, 15 favorite movies, Kevin, would you say? Top 10? <sighs> top 15 for sure. It's hard. It's, it's in that category where you're like, well, I can't rank these movies anymore because I just love them all. Well, we only have like four or five minutes to talk about it because I would like to keep it around an hour. So Kevin, Let's do it. Let's do this this way. Give me a sales pitch. What do, what is cool? What what's great about this movie? What what why should we watch Leon the Professional? Yeah, we should watch this because it was Natalie Portman's coming out party. It has uh, Jane Reno being Jane Reno, who is an action star for a reason. He is a great great person, great actor. He did good things after this, but this is his finest hour. You would argue hours. it's his vessel, and uh, I think it, you're I think you're forgetting about the Rollerball remake. But okay, <laughs> go on, Kevin, go on. And possibly most importantly, it has Gary Oldman yes. being insane, being full Gary Oldman. He goes full Oldman in this one, and evil, it's evil Oldman, beautiful. Yes, he's so good. He gets so into the character. The character is such an awful person, and, and, and so let's get let's give a quick rundown. It's a it's a revenge movie. Yep. But uh, not your typical revenge. Not movie. your typical revenge. Jean Reno is a hitman. He's a cleaner, uh, and his neighbors kind of know. Uh, Natalie Portman definitely knows, uh, and she, uh, her family's kind of a uh, white trash, messed up. Yeah, they're not good. And Gary Oldman decides that he's going to murder them all because he's been paying them to like stash cocaine in his apartment in their apartment. Right? Yeah, the dad's a mule, and Gary Oldman is uh, a crooked cop and a supplier. Yeah, if memory serves correct. So anyway. Uh, Leon, uh, she, uh, Natalie Portman's character comes back home and everyone's dead. And so she tries to go live with Leon and she's like, teach me to be a professional. Like, teach me to be an assassin. Cause she wants to, like, get revenge on, uh, on Gary Oldman. And so it has this coming of age plotline. It has, it's like a buddy movie, kind of. A little bit. And my favorite thing, there are so many, like, heartwarmingly weird moments. The milk. The house plant that they take care of and take from place to place. Yeah, uh, uh, Jane Reno always has the milk, and so then she starts like copying him. So it's kind of like those uh, like comedy movies where the person adopts the kid, and the kid like starts like kind of mimic them to try and like idolize them. It has those elements, but in this like revenge movie setting, which makes it play out in such a different way. It's a very quirky. And intentionally but awkwardly funny movie 
There are so many like endearing or strangely hilarious moments. Yeah, in this movie. and it's not like trying. It's just it builds it on like it's it's literally a situational comedy in an extreme situation. The it builds on the like the the stuff. It's like a humanized uh, version of like what what he was doing in like La Femme Nikita. Yeah, it's like more. Uh, it's like a hu- more human story. A cool, interesting. I always like to give like one interesting tidbit about the movie. Uh, Luc Besson wrote a sequel for this movie that he w- did not want to make until Natalie Portman was an adult. Uh, he's gotten into a lot of disagreements with um, the company who owns the rights to the movie and all this stuff. So it's un- it's now looking unlikely it'll ever happen. But um, that would be it's just cool. It's that like that. It's sense. like that Kill Bill idea, right? Like the the kid yeah. in Kill Bill. Quentin Tarantino wants to make a movie starring her or whatever. To say Kill Beatrix or whatever. Yeah, same same thing here. I feel like you know before you said that, I was like, I wonder if they ever thought about remaking or uh, making a sequel to this because it would be perfect. And Hollywood loves sequels, but the fact that the director wants to do it and it can't happen is both kind of like cool and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of like the movie. Instead, he's making a sci-fi visual uh, orgasm, <laughs> Valerian, the city of a thousand planets. I will say, beyond anything else, that Valerian movie looks beautiful. Yeah. I will. I will say, Visually I was stunning. I did not care about this until Nathan was like, "No, Eric, you really need to know s- that this is the guy making it, and you should look into it." And now I'm I'm on board with this. Movie. I just want to see it in 3D. Like I don't know, it, maybe I'm just a simple person, <laughs> but I just want to like I just want to see it in 3D and like look at how pretty it looks. You know, like I'm I'm excited for that. Um, all right, so for Kevin Garber and Eric Ronnebeck, I'm Nathan Santo, and we will uh, see you next week. Go Hawks! Hendrick.